Rico. And I'm Marcy. And welcome to the Colored Pages Book Club. That's right. It's a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Colorful backgrounds, indeed. And today, that's right, y'all, we are back for the final episode, (gasps) part two of The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison. We are finishing the Broken Earth trilogy on mm. this year today. That is right. It has been <laughs> three ass years in the making. Um, everyone's like, wow, I really took y'all three years to read three books. And I'm like, you know it what? did, yeah. When you put it like that, it sounds shady. It sounds rude. <laughs> but yes, indeed, that is what's happening today. We're going to talk about the conclusion of this yeah. whole trilogy. The and whole thing. I, oh my gosh. There, oof. Oh, yes, I am. I am hype. I know, right? We'll see all these threads are going to be tied up. All the questions are going to be answered. But, mm-hmm. Marcy, speaking of questions, yeah, yes. I have <laughs> a question. <laughs> I'm like, we're really doing this. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. What is your, what's your question, boo? So, in this story, the narrative framing is that the whoever's speaking, which turns out to be Hoa the whole time, actually. Mm -hmm. refers to the reader or us as you. So the story is in the second person. Mm -hmm. And I thought about that a lot as we came to the conclusion, mostly because at the end of the book, Hoa switches finally and talks from his perspective. But Mm -hmm. because of that, it made me kind of want to get rid of this false dichotomy between me as the reader and the characters in the story. And so I had Mm -hmm. to ask myself, who are you in the story? It could either be a group Ooh. of people or a type of person. Are you Eason? Are you Nason? Are you an origin, a still, a guardian, Shafa, Father Earth, Alabaster? So yeah. Oh my gosh. Who are you? I oof, I love this question. This is interesting because the context where all of this happens is just like so extreme that I'm like, I'm like, how would how would I like if if a season just appeared like <laughs> what would be my MO like how would I go about uh, survival like, just, right, like how would right. make that work honestly no oh I love I fucking love this question I feel like I'm like think I'm like going through the Rolodex I'm like I, I feel like I wouldn't be Nason or like Jija I mean definitely not Jija oh Jija um yeah I don't really see it for Shafa either I feel like I would be, I can see myself being either in Kastrima or Miov. Mm. Um, like, I, I feel like that the vibe of being in like this really communal space and just like with the, with the, with the additional security of being around other people, kind of having like a little bit of more of like a lighthearted energy or like mm. just being able to bring sort of that energy to an otherwise like very like dismal and like just unfortunate (laughs) set of circumstances like (laughs) i I feel like the goat the person that keeps popping up in my in my mind is tonky and i feel like the reason why is because she's just very (laughs) she's like kind of like she's like very focused on like very specific things Mm. like she's like i am focused on what what is she like a gms so she's like oh i am focused on this and like nothing else matters and like literally like she's like oh like these social rituals of like being a community. I mean, yeah, girl, that's cute, but like also like I like I just like to have this purpose, and in doing so, it's just like accidentally hilarious. And so yeah. I feel like that's 
I feel like her energy, whenever she was like in the book, I mean, I feel like she was definitely like kind of cast aside a little bit. Um, since all blue skate, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like every time she was in a scene, however rare that might have been, um, I just really resonated with her. I was yeah. like, I really fuck with Tonki, so I, I could definitely see myself being in that sort of vibe. Also, you know, she was a little a little relationship or whatever, That's which true. could be which could be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, so that Tonki, as far as like just like my like when I look at my personality, I'm like whose personality in the book kind of resonates a lot. I, I feel like it would be her. As far as like survival and maybe like inner existentialism and like all of that, I feel like I feel like I really relate to Alabaster and Hoa in a lot of ways. Mm. Um I think it was who was it that wrote this part? I actually wrote it down for one of my quotes, but I I, I wanna say it was Hoa. It might have been no. It was it was Hoa explaining it, but he was explaining something that Alabaster had once written, and basically Alabaster was talking about this idea of like, what do you do with the realization that like who we are as origins and like how society has like engineered us to like exist in time space and all of that is like all it's it's all to our detriment. It's like all based on our like yeah own oppression and like like this genocidal intention set on by the state towards us. Like, what do you do with that? And I feel like that's something that I like very much relate to as far as like just having these like like these like really elaborate explorations in my mind of like what do i do with like sort of the realizations of like the ways of the world and just like the true nature of like how injustice and, and mm-hmm. oppression materializes into our own lives like what the fuck do you do with that and i feel like that's something i very much i mean I, i'm still just like i i don't really fully know um right. just trying to figure that out so i i feel like i could see i can relate to both of them in that sense and also to to be fair, actually i'm gonna choose alabaster um <laughs> Because Alabaster lived like a very like fun life, and also I don't know. I mean, we all I we all know that I thought, Alabaster you know, lived just, a complicated th- life. <laughs> Fair. Um, I'm just thinking about. Um, yeah, I'm I'm specifically thinking about like when he was like in Miove and had that like polyamorous relationship, and I was like, oh my god, it sounds so fun. Um, and also, it's not a secret that I thought I just feel like Enon's the sexiest character in the trilogy. <laughs> so I mean. They was in a relationship. It sounds kind of fun. So I'm gonna be Alabaster for that reason. So basically. Like a like a sprinkle of alabaster, a sprinkle of tonky mm. equals Marcy. Um, I like that. Yeah. What do you think, Akko? I was just like thinking in lists of like people that just had us fluttered. It's like Jem Sheji, Enon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find more. Um, what was I gonna say? I really liked your last point about Alab- what Alabaster wrote and Hoa relayed through his emotionless retelling of everything that has nothing to do with Eason. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I I felt strangely a uh, resonance with the Guardians and the mm. origin. Yeah, because it especially as we learned more about... By the way, your prediction was right. I was listening to Obeliskate the other day because I was like, we should probably find some through line. But you made a prediction mm-hmm. where you said that Guardians were stills born from Origin, and you're correct. So, Oh, should I said that? Yeah, you did. I was listening. I was like, huh, Marcy, that was a correct prediction. We should put that in huh. there. I know. Go the fuck off. Because I, I do remember... Um in Gate, when Alabaster like fell through the world and like saw all those weird lights I was like I feel like that was Warren I feel like he like came across like yes. where all the guardians are like born yeah. and raised and I'm, I also was listening to Gate recently and I was like D- did my ass predict this like a book you did. and a half ago like yeah. go off sis <laughs> yes god and I was like um, Marcy it's clearly a metaphor but it wasn't <laughs> Marcy was right <laughs> Warren is a place but um where the guardians live yeah so anyway i did relate to that in the sense of 
feeling like the forces at B have caused me to internalize ideas that suit them and have made me Mm. almost like agents of their whatever goal they're trying to accomplish. You know, it's sort of this internalization of whatever ism, sexism, racism, whatever Mm. ism, right? Because guardians, as you said, they have magic in them. They are, they have origin abilities and that's being weaponized against them. And this idea, you know, of suddenly being controlled by Father Earth, by a force outside of yourself, this miasma of society that outpaces you, you know, that's been around far before you were born, right? but enacts itself in you. I was like, this is such a helpful metaphor for our lives now in the real world. Um, mm-hmm. Because so much of these isms, we don't think of them, but they're almost like a a collective consciousness type thing of civilizations that don't exist anymore. You know, the antebellum right. South doesn't exist anymore. Roman Empire, not around anymore. Lots of empires, right. lots of civilizations that aren't around anymore, and yet their technology, like racism as a technology, as something that you use to create, in our case in real life, it was to create a capitalistic output and a hierarchied society, which is kind of similar <laughs> to what the obelisks are used to make here. But this mm. mental technology is from a dead civilization and it lives in us to the present. So I kind of related to the stone eaters in that way too, that sort of flattening of self to mm. kind of keep another civilization going at your expense. In fact, to take your whole life and make you a technology for the civilization. And so I also related with the rebellion (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it made me think, yeah, if you dehumanize people for long enough, like that pent up power will eventually explode. You know, what happens to a dream deferred? Although I guess to be fair in the dream deferred, there's two options, but that life is real. And it's so interesting how it like paralleled father earth's being exploited so that like the exploitation of people and the exploitation of society is all or earth or nature, you know, is all one sort of consumptive thing. Mm. Anyway, so I guess I relate to the stone eaters. And I, I do think my oppression has in sometimes muted my emotional expression or forced it to to emote in a different way. Um mm. Yeah, I don't eat people though. Is the only thing there, mm. so there is that difference. Why am I like saying mm, as if I'm like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, mm. it's like uh, yes, <laughs> that is assumed, <laughs> Marcy. <I've> never. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, that's I love that. I love that so much because I'm even thinking about like you know Father Earth being, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about this, but like Father Earth being like. I'm so pissed with all of you. Literally, fuck all the people on this planet. Stone eaters, still leadership, like strong. But I don't give a damn if you are mm. a person. It's it's curtains, like, and it's how it's like you were just born into this whole like, like a whole environment with like all these like historical settings and context and all this mm-hmm. shit that like had frankly nothing to do with you. But like you're just in it now, and like you were just like that's just something that like. It's like a hatred that's just like extended onto you, and it's like, damn, like I literally didn't have any context though. Like I exactly. literally just showed up. Like just, exactly. I'm just here now. 
forced into the bullshit. And it's just. And then yeah. like everyone, you know, and so when the stone eaters rebelled, they're like, what? The stone, eaters, what? But why would they do that? And you're like, no one ever went back in time and asked, but why would you make stone eaters in the first place? <laughs> like, why right. would, you know, the big effect to people who have had, I guess, the advantage the whole time, right? This rebellion of the stone eaters seems mm-hmm. nonsensical. Same way, like for people who are born into a world and went to father earth is always exploited it's rebellion Mm. it's the creation the seasons seem like this huge and they don't seem they are this tragic disruption of their life but Mm. what about this the disruption of the stone eater's life or the origin or father earth you know it's a matter of like framing i guess is what i'm trying to say and then when we frame properly when we take everyone into consideration then it's the truth that we have to compromise with each other. You cannot consume mm. if everyone has power in the situation. Right. Anyway, reader, who do you think you are? Let us know <laughs> on Twitter or in the comments or think about it quietly to yourself in your diary entry. I don't know. Right. <laughs> Text one for Hoa at 8282. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. We would love to see, we'd love to hear what, um, what you all think too. Because mm-hmm. also there's a there's a whole cast of characters. There are many people to choose from. So many. <sighs> yes. Well, should we get into the to the plot summary? Yeah, let's do it. Wonderful. Sounds good. Okay, so we'll take a little bit of a little bit of a break. Marcy, slow down. And when we get back, we'll get into the plot summary of the Stone Sky. We're gonna finish it, y'all. Woo! We are. Woo. Ah, yes. So we are going to do a quick, eh, maybe it'll be quick, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but we're going to do a summary of the second part. I'm going to start with Sile Anagas, and then Marcy's going to finish with Nason and Eason. So like the dramatic final ending. Okay. Oh my God, y'all. <laughs> Get ready for it. So here we go. So when we left off those stone eaters and their little friends, Kellen Lee was taking everyone on like a Miss Frizzle field trip to see the outside world so they could get mm. better at tuning the obelisks. <laughs> but it was clear the whole time there was a secret plan all along. So mm. Asher and Kellen Lee gives some cryptic message about how the engine that produces more output than input is art and Hoa made the art. They head over to Kellen Lee's house and everyone is super shocked because they're like, um, how come your house looks like a house where they treat people? Uh, there's beds <laughs> and food and are those windows? They let you see outside of your house? And she's like, yeah, I'm about to tell you what's up. Also, mm. as a side plot that literally has a very little relevance to the story or alternatively is the most important part of the story. Hoa is falling in love with Kellen Lee, even though <sighs> he knows nothing about her. I Granted, Hoa also hasn't left like his the four walls of wherever they keep them and like probably his whole life. So maybe saying right. another human being is just or another stone eater who has more autonomy and freedom produces strong emotions. But who's to say? Anyway, so Kelly <laughs> pulls out her PowerPoint 
and just disregards Hoa's side story and decides to explain to the stone eaters and the readers what this whole thing is about. So Ma- Marcy and I sat down and took some notes and pushed up our glasses. Right. So it t- <laughs> Legs crossed in the back row. Notebooks ready. Right. We're like, we, we're actually auditing the class. So we won't be here for the final, but we're here to listen. <laughs> So it turns out this this stillness used to made up used to be made up of three lands. There is Mesar, mm-hmm. Kakahirkar, sure, and Sililir. If mm-hmm. I didn't get those right or you don't remember them, it's not that relevant. All you at all. Yeah. All you need to know is that Sile Anagus conquered all of them in typical like age of empire, take over the world. What's the mm-hmm. reason for this just power fashion? Um see Kingdom of <sighs> what was it called kingdom uh, grace of kings see grace of Gra- kings yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so in one of those lands salir there were people known as niece who were able to use magic to create art as helen lee was saying and those mm-hmm. that art had provoking image thought-provoking images and ideas and the art output more magic into the world than was put into it right mm. for me when i heard this it kind of felt to me Oh, I thought of Marcy and like your dancing and how you have a certain amount of energy you put into dance, right? But then when Mm -hmm. you showcase that to other people, that feeling and that thought that inspires duplicates. And Mm. all those people, there's almost more output out of your one art piece than you put in as one person. So it changes more people... (laughs) Wow. Right. You know, that's what I thought. Or like you look, you, you know, there's like a painting. Right. And the amount mm-hmm. of people it affects the output is more than just the fact than just the, the person who painted. Right. It. Mm-hmm. OK. Anyway. So that's a really beautiful interpretation. Like seeing the reaction, seeing the uh, like a communal response as like energy output from the. Mm. Yeah. Right. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, you know, because Marcy has a heart, they felt that way, but the style Anagus people are boring and hate fun. So <laughs> the niece are, you know, the magic was upsetting to them, and they tried to convince people that the niece people weren't human at all through art. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, through science. And science was like, yeah, that's wrong. Um, all your theories are incorrect and inaccurate. And so scientists were like, well, interesting, interesting. What if we just used violence instead? And science was like, I mean, I, I, that wasn't, um, what? So they created stone eaters <laughs> from the knees people. They literally dehumanized, literally dehumanized a group of people and focused on their one magic making aspect so that they would basically become who they needed to be and could not prove through science. Mm. Kellen Lee was the first stone eater that was created, but she was also too human. So they had her living with humans <laughs> and they were like, oh, we really were trying to just take away all your humanity. And they're like, don't worry, the next batch will get them. We'll, we'll make them more stoic. But, you know, mm. the side effect of that, as we talked about in part one, is that they just talk through the earth and they emote through the earth. They only seem inhuman, but they actually continue to be human. So... Mm. The Stone Eaters are understandably having an existential crisis. They're literally running around killing Lee's house like, ah, what is happening? What is happening? And Ho is like, Kellen Lee, why would you tell us this? And Kellen Lee is like, look, I'm the last niece Loris, and it's my plan to carry on the niece legacy and combat these lies. So 
After this huge reveal, a conductor named Galat rolls up. And Galat's kind of killing Lee's sibling, but he's also meant to control her. So you're kind of seeing a parallel guardian origin relation here already. Mm. Um, needless to say, they have a very strained relationship. And they argue, and Kellen Lee storms off. And the Stone Eater's like, hey, hey, Galat. And Galette's frustrated. And he's like, I don't really see the point of what Kellen doing. And I think everyone should just conform and stay in line with Sal and a guest, even though it's hurting you all. But it's kind of mm-hmm. hinted that Galette um, has niece heritage. And so he's looked down by on by the other conductors. And he's hoping that, hey, if I comply, maybe I'll get a seat at the table, even though that seat at the table will not be fulfilling in any way. But I desperately desire it because I've been taught that my whole life. So it's really just internalized right. self-hate. And the stone eaters were like standing there stoically reading and understanding the subtext, but like not really getting it because they're stone eaters and they don't really understand anything emotionally. (laughs) So Galette just gives up and is like, fine, let's just go move the plot forward. So he takes them to like (laughs) (laughs) to the socket of the one of the obelisks and basically so they can see how it works. And on their way, Hoa notices that there's definitely something off in the ground. Something's really not something's wrong and they get there and they realize it's a huge node and now in the present time with like Eason and them a node has an mm-hmm. origin strat to it and the origin is controlling things similar to what you're about to see here so instead of like one origin who's been stuck there their whole life we actually have thousands of origins strapped there making everything mm. work so basically the whole civilization is only being run at the sacrifice of thousands of people <laughs> that are yeah. forced to control and tune the obelisk i mean understandably these stone eaters are disgusted but mm. they keep their emotions below the surface and start to plan you know what they're gonna do there's also, they, well, sorry no continue. Uh, just quick quick follow-up question there was a stone eater uh, what was his name uh title law or something yeah like that, that they took um, away mm-hmm. yeah that like had been missing for like hella long and didn't they like see him like yep in the, like so- yep, yep okay yeah and they okay. were like oh that's what you guys do when we quote unquote don't work yeah and they're pissed understandably there's also a side plot where kellen lee is pregnant but again it literally does not matter so <laughs> everyone <laughs> is it's just so irrelevant to the story i think there's only there's a possible relevance but we'll get to in the in the discussion section so okay the stone eaters make a plan here's what it is the reason the conductors went and got kellen lee in the first place is because they wanted the stone eaters to use the obelisk to channel magic from the earth's core endlessly so they're like we want magic powers forever and they have to do this by going to the moon now if you're wondering at any point, has space travel been mentioned in the story? The answer is no, but you know the, what? No. no. <laughs> it hasn't. But we're just going to keep rolling with the plot. <laughs> right. Um, so something, something, it's too difficult to do it from Earth because Father Earth, something, something, we're going to space. But the st- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, basically, it was what, how that was communicated. Yeah. Um, like it really wasn't that much elaboration on Mm-mm. why it was taking place. There was not. But the Stone Years have decided, okay, the conductors think we're going to use, you know, our magic powers to help them but we're actually going to turn their powers against them and use it to destroy sile anagus so the uh, they get to the moon okay they get there don't ask me how they strapped in they got on a plane they got to the moon 
And mm. everyone thinks their respective plans are going, you know, according to plan. The conductors are like, this is great. We got some of the Earth's hearts from the center of the Earth. We brought it up here for reasons. The stone eaters are like, awesome, great. We're about to betray everyone and set the world aflame. And then mm. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Father Earth's like, oh, oh, you all, you all, you all came to dinner with your respective potluck meals and didn't invite <laughs> me. That's funny. That's hilarious. Well, guess what? Um... These hands are rated E for everyone. Like, everyone can catch these hands. Guess who brought the peach cobbler? (laughs) Me! (laughs) Father Earth just pulls up a chair and they're like, oh, actually, he's like... "Eh, eh." I'm at the table. Like literally you like the, the chair was screeching across the floor as Father Earth brought it over and like <laughs> put it down in front of everyone. So slammed the dish on the <laughs> damn table. Y'all are gonna eat this cobbler. So Hoa and the stone eaters have to fight the embodiment of Father Earth. Meanwhile, the conductors are like, We'll use this earth heart thing to do something. Oh, just kidding. It shatters going into their veins and killing them. I think this is what happened to Tonki back in book two, Obelisk Gate. Yes. I mm-hmm. also think the the heart, earth heart, is what the Guardians have on their neck. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that all tracks. Oh! Right? Mm-hmm. We're just oh trying to answer God. y'all's questions, you know, as we go. Right? Because what else would it be, you know? That makes... Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. So... Okay. I really did not... Okay. I'm... I'm just sitting in that um, revelation. Okay, um, <laughs> please continue, Akko. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, in the end, Sal Anagus is destroyed, which we know because Nason and Shafa showed up there, and it was definitely, you know, not working. The moon right. is hurled out of the Earth's orbit, as we know, since there are seasons, and this is called the fifth season. And right. <laughs> all Hoa and his friends are turned into stone and, like, stuck in the obelisk, which is where we found them at the beginning. So... And Kalani and her family are fine. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. to be fair, I personally think Kellen Lee is the great, great, like, ancestor of Eason. That's probably what's happening here. But oh. really, who could say? So anyway, this whole thing sets off the first and worst season with more to come. Okay. Wow. You put together so many, like, beautiful things. Like, yeah, I... Oh, so many connections you made. I was just like, yeah. Um, I also kept calling her Kalani. Like in my mind, I was like, that's not her name. Um, but like, I just like, um, I was like, oh, like she's pregnant. Like fun. And like, I like literally didn't think anything more of it. But that would make total sense if this was like a whole like three sixty. Mo- okay. Well, thank you so much for that, Akko. Um, so yeah, so now I'll talk about what happens with Nason and Eason because like inevitably those two stories like converge. So I'll mm-hmm. talk about what happened with Nason because that's like a bit more like involved. Eason is pretty quick <laughs> and then we'll get into like what happens when the two of them come together. Okay. <clears throat> so if y'all last remember, basically Shafa, Nason, and Steel, aka Gray Man were like in <laughs> like Sal Anagus, like, like, you know, in the future or whatever. And basically like, um, Steel was like, oh, like, if you need to get to Coral Point, just take this um, this little plant-based train. And, like, Shafa and Nason were like, that sounds fun. So they get in, this, <laughs> they get in a train. It's called a Behemol, Behemol, yes. something like that. That's what the, that's actually what Hoa and friends took to the moon. I didn't even know it went to the moon, but... Oh, that's I what they took to the moon. That, uh, mm-hmm. that, that tracks, yeah. 
Yes. So basically, it's, so it's, it's a train, yes, but it essentially can go in like every direction and like defy laws of gravity and just honestly do like all types of shit. Mm-hmm. So it's just like very lit. At first, like Nason and Shopper are like, oh, okay, cool. Like we got some rows. There's like hella seats. Like no one's here. Like, we can really like luxuriate. <laughs> There's like someone over the speaker or over the intercom or whatever that like is telling them in a language that Shafa understands, but not Nason of like, yeah. Basically, like, oh, like, this trip is going to be, like, six hours, like, whoop, 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 like, la, la, la. And, like, Nason's a little unnerved. She's like, I don't know where this voice is coming from. Like, it seems like the car itself is alive. And, like, the, mm. like, the intercom, like, kept saying, like, it just, like, kept speaking. And, like, she was, like, I feel like usually the, the announcements are pretty quick. And then they, like, let you just put on your headphones and, like, eat pretzels. Like, I don't see why we're, like, like having a full-blown <laughs> conversation right now. So it was just, like, very weird for everyone involved. Um, especially Although, Shafa, who was, yes? Well, I was just thinking about, like, it, well, I've been on a subway. You've been on a subway. Right. Subways would seem... Nace and East, they have never been on a subway or a train. Like, it's been a oh, season for that... me. So it might just be kind of like... I mean, granted, our trains don't go to the moon, but... Right. <laughs> like, you know, the announcements that just go off? Mm-hmm. That would seem... You know, when you're sitting in one train car, too, you, it's not like you see the front of the train. Right. It would seem just like this alive thing that's driving you to and oh fro. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You, I the the connections. My my yeah. word. Yeah, I agree. Like that that completely makes sense. Because yeah, otherwise you'd be like, what the fuck was that? Like you just sit down and you're like, I, I thought we were just gonna go somewhere. Like what? Um, right. So yeah, so Nason's a little uncomfortable, but she's like, okay, let me just try to like, you know, get comfortable, whatever. Shafa is expressly not comfortable <laughs> because like as they are like going on, like they're literally like going through tunnels and like going yep. through like the sky and shit. Like it's like kind of wild. And Shafa has been having these like um, neck pains at the back of his neck because like Father Earth wants him to like kill Nason, which mm-hmm. he like won't do. And the pain is like getting considerably worse. Yes. Um, so bad to the fact that like Shafa at one point is basically just like writhing on the ground, like rolling around, like ba- basically dying. Yep. Um, and Nason's like, "Holy fuck! Like, how long is this trip again?" And then like the train's like, mm, "Like it's like five more hours." And Nason's <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" So it's like really alarming. And the reason why the pain is getting so bad is because they're actually going through like their voyage to Core Point actually takes them across the Earth's mm-hmm. core. So they get to the Earth's core. Shafa is basically passed out at this point, and Nason like basically like meets father earth himself yeah. um like i like i it sounds dramatic but that's like basically <laughs> what happened and father earth's like oh hey little evil one like or a little enemy or like whatever whatever and nason's like you must fix shafa like what the fuck are you doing like stop this at once and then father earth looked around and was like i know y'all know who she's talking to i'm sorry it, Am I not Father Earth? Am I, oh, I'm sorry. I thought because of me, you existed. Oh, really interesting how you have all these demands, <laughs> Nason, like ephemeral ass Nason, 10-year-old ass, you just got here ass Nason. Look at me, Father Earth, been here for millennia, billions of years, but whatever. <laughs> so essentially, Father Earth's like, yeah, um, so fuck all that, not doing that. And then like he, basically the Earth's core like transforms into like all these different like human faces and Nason's mm-hmm. like, ooh, it's getting weird. It's, it's getting, getting weird. weird. I don't know what's happening right now. And so essentially what we find out through both Nason's realizations and just like kind of exposition that like helped the reader along this whole part of the story. Like essentially it's probably Father, Hoa, right? What'd you say? It's probably Hoa, right? Because technically Hoa oh, yeah. is telling the story. Did Hoa narrate Nason? Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks, Hoa. So um, <laughs> basically the reason why Father Earth is like transforming into people's faces is because, so, so let, me, let me let me like zoom out a little bit. So, mm-hmm. the, so the Earth's core, yes, is like 
sentient, very much alive. Father Earth is alive. And you also see that Father Earth has like 27 obelisks like stabbed into him, which mm-hmm. is a detail that I otherwise wouldn't mention, but it will come up later. So that's like a thing. So you see that there are these obelisks like stabbed into him and like they've like left these like scars and shit. And so essentially... Father Earth, the reason why there's, like, all these human faces and shit is because basically when people die, like, Father Earth just, like, absorbs people's souls, like, just, like, absorbs all of them. And, like, because based in the past, like, you know, with Sal Anagus and shit, all of that magic was being directly extracted from the Earth. So, like, it was very much, like sucking up all of the magic from the earth's core to like power their civilization Mm -hmm. and so in retaliation father earth is like i'm going to eat all of your souls and i'm going to start all these seasons because fuck all y'all literally how dare you nason of course is 10 years old and not fully you know like doesn't really have enough context to like fully understand the gravity of all of this but um yeah it's just like a lot so so basically souls are trapped inside of father earth because the people, living people, have been exploiting Father Earth with the obelisks since a while. Right. Mm. So that's how you. So the obelisks that have been flying around. You you see that that was their initial purpose. So you know what I just realized? It probably got yes. even worse. Like they probably like when the Stone Eaters threw off the moon, and it started a worse season. Most likely, the the people's reaction to that was to make more obelisks and stick it more into Father Earth. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. So things have gotten just worse and worse over time. Yeah. And also, too, we learned later that the moon also had a source of magic. And so I think that, like, with the moon being out of orbit, like, probably what they're extracting from the Earth was even greater Mm. than before. Because I imagine, too, some of the, there was, like, you know, just, like, the the way that the moon influences the Earth. Like, there might be some magic transfers. So, like. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So the Earth has just been like honestly like just been fucked over for like actually centuries. Honestly, and it's just like actually terrible. I just realized the moon controls the tides. If the moon was off, our <laughs> that would be a season in and of itself. You know what I mean? Like just right. that alone, without anyone being mad, is a season. Correct. Cool. Hmm. Well, anyway, so basically, all of this <laughs> is happening. Nathan's like, "Wow, Shafa's been passed. Like Shafa's passed out. Like, yikes, this sucks." And so, like, they eventually get to core point. Um, Nason has to literally drag Shafa's body off of the Behemal. And, like, so core point for, for, for context is where Alabaster was with um, Antidote back in Obelisk Gate, where, like, there's just, like, all, it was, like, there's, like, this, like, old city. It's, like, very modern, like, whatever, whatever. So, like, Nason gets there with Shafa, and she's, like, running around. She's, like, oh, my God, someone help, please. Like, Shafa's, like, dying. Um, and she's, like, around a bunch of stone eaters. And stone eaters don't really, like emote or like do much and so they were just kind of looking at her and they're like oh my god that's wild but like doing nothing and she's right. like wow like useless so steel aka gray man basically is like shows up and is like hey um i actually have like a super uh, this nearby apartment that you can use with like shafa just stay there you know just recuperate you know do all that shit and nason's like i mean how much is the rent and Steel's like i'm not gonna i'm not <laughs> asking you for rent nason so she takes Shafa to the apartment. Shafa is like barely alive. Mm-hmm. Um, while Nason's there, she's essentially just like taking care of him. Um, there's like a garden that she tends to. Turns out Alabaster, when he was there, took a bunch of like, like he wrote a bunch of like journal entries and shit about like his life, like after Meov and all mm-hmm. this other shit. Um, and Nason like kind of peeps those and she's like, oh God, my mom loved before Wild. Um, <laughs> so just kind of like, like, like a, little, a little break before the chaos. Yeah. So, and it adds like some color to the story. Like it's, you're like, oh, yeah, we never learned about what Alabaster was going through after he was pulled into the earth, so. Right. Mm. And you see that he just, like, missed Eason, 
Enon, Koro, a shit ton, a lot, and um, much more than he actually expressed to Ethan once he yeah. reunited with her later. <laughs> but um, it's true. Yeah, like he was he Alabaster was going through it. Like he was like, wow, like my life sucks, and I'm like, I mean, you're not wrong. So. Mm-hmm. Nasus and core point, la la la, skipping forward a little bit. So the moon is like in sight. So again, like because the moon is not a thing that people see, like the first time the moon's like in sight. So the way we, we would just like see the moon like regularly now, right now on Earth, like mm. Nasus saw that and was like, what the fuck is what that? Is I was like, oh my God, happening? the moon's actually, <laughs> yeah. is, is like getting closer, like holy fuck. And so like Nasus having a whole conundrum because she's like, okay, like, like at first her plan was to like destroy the world. She's like, fuck the world, I'm going to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Then she was like, well, what if I like use the obelisk gate to like, I guess, take the moon's energy and turn all the world into stone eaters? Because, I mean, if we're all stone eaters, that means we can, like, live forever. And that also means that Shafa doesn't have to suffer anymore. So, like, all of his pain can go away. And so, like, Steel shows up and is like, actually, Nathan, that's a terrible idea. Have you ever, I don't know, considered what it's like to, like, truly be immortal? Like, to just just, just be on this planet forever? Have you ever thought how horrendous that is? And she's like, no. Yeah. I've been allowed like, ten years, so no. yeah. She's like, not, not really. So she's kind of going through this whole thing. She's like, oh, do I destroy the world? Do I turn everyone to stone eaters? I don't know what to do. And I'm like, Nathan, not the most relatable of problems, but whatever. So basically, um, she decides she's like, you know what? Well, I'm just going to destroy the world. There's something to be said about having a lot of power, being really young, and everyone keeps. It feels to me like climate change for like fifteen year olds. You know, mm. all everybody had something to say for the last a hundred years since the beginning of the industrial revolution, and now mm. it's at my door, and it's right. my stakes, and I have fifteen years of experience, and you want right. me this? You know what I mean? That's that's what right. it's it's giving me. Like I'm way too young for this, but the ball is in my court. Yeah, exactly. So, Nason's kind of going back and forth. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at this point she's like, fuck it, I'm just going to destroy the world. Like, yeah, fuck it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, she cool, was cool. like, I can't save Shafa. Apparently, turning everyone to stone eaters is a quote unquote bad idea. So, I <laughs> so <laughs> just end this whole thing. <laughs> so, she's like, uh, I guess I'll just destroy the world entirely. And I'm like, okay. So, she like goes to the park and she like, gets together these like 27 like obelisks or whatever may or may were these the obelisks on father earth unclear i don't think it's so pump? i think they were just like floating around i don't know yeah good but, question yeah because essentially we so we don't need to get into the science of it but basically there was this whole debate of like oh do you need to use the onyx to like stop the moon or can you just get a bunch of other like shittier obelisks but like together they're like kind of better i don't know it was like mm-hmm. this whole thing basically nason's like let me get the get together the these 27 obelisks they'll like make like a gate or whatever i'll like use them to slam the moon into the earth i think unclear and um, i guess it does match the number of obelisks that are inside of father earth look we can answer some questions we can't answer all of them we just can't exactly <laughs> so whatever all y'all need to know nason's trying to destroy the world um mm-hmm. so while just trying to destroy the world shafa actually like rolls up who mind you at this point has been like just in bed for like months pulls up and like runs around and nason's like holy shit shafa and like and then Shafa like disappears into like this like uh, like, like, like a vortex, vortex? shit sure. um, of doom. And Nason was like, "I must run after him." And I'm like, truly at this point, I'm I'm just along for the ride. Okay. You know, like I'm, right. I'm just like, you know what? Like I I'm just not asking questions. So Nason <laughs> ends up in warrant itself, running after Shafa with mind you his like hella guardians and Nason's a whole orgy. It's just it's the optics don't look great. They don't. But so, just to explain, warrant is where. Alabaster fell through, and that's where all the guardians come from. 
And it makes sense because if you if everyone remembers, or maybe you don't, but everyone was like, where do the Guardians go during a season? Because there are literally never Guardians in a season. They mm-hmm. seem to go back to Warrant and go into a comatose right. state. Continue. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So thankfully, no one's really like walking around. But yeah, if they did, if they were, it, it would have been curtains for Nason. But regardless, she's running through. Um, she goes into this like giant room that has like, yeah, she sees all these cells where like, Guardians are just like kind of like, yeah, in this comatose state. She hears Shafa further into the room, and basically she sees that there's a machine that removed his like core stone, like mm-hmm. from the back of his neck, and it's like holding it or whatever, which is good in the sense that like it removed the pain from Shafa, bad yep. in the sense that like this means Shafa's inevitable death. Um, yep. So Nathan's like suffering. She's like, oh my God, like Shafa's dying. Like, what the fuck do I do? And essentially, like, she puts two and two together, and essentially it was evil Earth itself that, like, forced Shava to, like, do all of this and, like, removed his core stone as sort of, like, an ultimatum. Because at first, she was, Nathan was like, okay, I'm just going to destroy the world because Shava's in pain. If I destroy the world, whatever. The pain will go away, I guess. But then Father Earth is like, well, technically the pain is gone now, and you get, like, a little bit more time with Shava. So what if you just, like, didn't destroy the world? And Nathan's <laughs> like... I guess. And I just kind of love the fact that, like, Evil Earth is just going, like, tit for tat with, like, this 10-year-old black girl. Like, I'm right. kind of here for that. Um, But, you know, whatever. Um, So, this is like, okay, whatever. Let me, like, figure out this whole obelisk gate that I, like, kind of started but didn't finish. So, she, like, runs out of warrant. And then as she, like, emerges back onto the surface, she runs into her mother, Eason. Dun, so, dun, let's talk dun. about what happened with Eason. Her part is, like I said, much shorter. So, basically, at this point, you know, last time we saw Eason, she was, like kind of at a crossroads of like, okay, what do I do with my life? Like my daughter, like, I don't know what, like, like how do I go about these like next steps? And so she was just feeling very indecisive, but she was like, you know what? Let me just like be with Kostrima for a little bit as I like figure out my shit. So she's with Kostrima. They end up going through this like desert and it actually sounds terrible. Oh, it was awful. People were just dying left to right. Like it was actually horrid. Um, Even Yekka was given up. Exactly. Literally. And so it's just kind of endless terror. But like there is something interesting that kind of happened. So amidst the terror that was crossing this desert, Easton has a conversation with Danell, who I'm not sure if we talked about in the last section. If we didn't, I'm just going to like give a quick context. So Danell was actually one of the Renanis soldiers from Obelisk yeah. that tried to destroy Kastrima. She was captured as like a as a as a prisoner of war, essentially, when forced to be with Kastrima. And so essentially, like at this point, Yika was like, okay, well, Danelle, you and your friends seem fine. So I guess I can just like be part of the like calm. Like yeah. I don't have to like be prisoners anymore. But Danelle Though she was a soldier, she was really more of a lorist back in the day. And so she was like, hey, Easton, I know you're trying to, like, do, you know, the hashtag Obelisgate. Do you need a lorist to, like, record all the world's events so, like, future generations can know what happened? And Easton's like, I don't really give a fuck about that, but, um... <laughs> you seem like you You seem real to. pressed to be here, so, like, I guess, so... <laughs> That's like a thing. Also, while crossing the desert and just avoiding terror, Easton and Lerna start fucking, which is just... <sighs> irrelevant to the story i'm not even trying to be like funny it actually is irrelevant but continue like i actually just was like did we did we need it though Mm -hmm. did we need it though yeah but it's fine i guess they did say that she should become part of the calm and i guess this is part of become continue mercy so so whatever so that's the thing yeah so through all of that they thankfully are able to get to renanis well before they get to Renanis, they actually get to a node first. So there's a node station that's like really close to Renanis. And the thing is, it's really complicated because essentially where they are right now is essentially where Alabaster like set off the season. Like if y'all remember, it's called the rifting or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the rifting is like three feet away and they're like, oh my God, like that's wild. But the thing is, if, if the origins in the group try to like quell it, 
they'll die like immediately. And so the node station being close by is kind of comfortable because it's like, okay, well, at the very least with the node here, folks who are being like strapped into these seats can like quell all the rifting stuff and they're already barely alive. So it can kind of like buy us some time. Granted, it kind of begs the question what happens once the node maintainers die? Like what's going to what's going to happen but um no one's really thought that far to the future and they're not going to have to because the events that take place next make everything irrelevant exactly (laughs) so so there's like a quick like respite or whatever lerna and eason become like slightly more serious which again i was like did i like did we need this also um eason's pregnant which is a development so anyway um (laughs) At this point, Ethan's like, okay, yeah, so um, my daughter, also, like, the moon's gonna be here in, like, three days. Like, I really need to get to core point. Like, I'm really sitting here fucking Lorna when I could, like, be (laughs) at core point, like, doing the obligacy or whatever. Also, wasn't this giving Majoro's masks vibes, you know, like, in Zelda? Yes. Where they have, like, three days to stop their from crashing into the earth? I was like... Easton, you better put on like a green tunic and get yourself an ocarina of time. Right. So. <laughs> get you a sword, something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And that moon was so scary. It oh, God. Terrifying. I hated the face on that fucking moon. Oh, mm. my God. I literally, oh, Jesus. Anyway. And you know, every so, time you die, it would be like, it seems you've met an unfortunate fate. And you're like, yikes. And then you just have to start the whole game over. And it yeah. just felt unfair. I'm like, I'm just, like, the whole game? Like, the right. whole. Okay. I'm just trying to live. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Time limits on video games, I never understood them. But regardless, mm. that's a separate conversation. Um, Eason was playing Majora's Mask and was like, girl, I really should be getting to Core Point. I'm over here worrying about Link. <laughs> anyway, so like, she, so they all get to Renata's first. And Renata's like super cute. It has like running water and shit. Yeah. Basically, Eason, while there, talks to Hoa. And he essentially confirms that Alabaster did in fact turn into a stone eater. And mm-hmm. Eason's like, oh, can I see him? And Hoa's like, mm, no, no, because like Alabaster needs like centuries for his personality to become like, like to be downloaded i guess like like if you like try to interact with him too early it might like shift him for the worst like eternally and so eason's like oh my god like so i can't even see alabaster and ho is like no no and i'm like (laughs) (laughs) so basically so that's the thing oh also at this point the moon's coming in now two days instead of three and i'm like eason you really should be yeah you gotta go um Right, so Ho was like, yeah, so, like, you, we should, like, be leaving soon. And, like, I guess, like, the seed is planted that, like, Eason can, like, maybe bring her friends. And I was like, is this the thing that you, like, bring your friends to? But, like, whatever. <laughs> Someone's throwing a kickback and you're like, hey, can I bring four friends? And you're like, we don't have enough plates. We really don't have enough food. Oh, yeah, sure, it's fine. Bring your friends. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Like, it becomes a function. And so Ho was like, I mean, I guess you can bring friends so Ethan's like okay so I'm gonna bring my girl Tonky I'm gonna bring my girl Hedjarka I'm gonna bring Larna and I'm gonna bring Danelle to the trip and I would bring Yika but you know she gotta leave Kastrima and I would bring Maxise (laughs) but like we need him in Kastrima and Ho was like girl that's all we we already got like we run in six deep like it just feels like kind of a lot it's like (laughs) it just feels like when you're trying to get to the airport and you're like should I bring this suitcase or this suitcase and you're like I mean the gates close (laughs) one time so (laughs) literally like he's like, uh, like how, how do we feel about this necklace? And like Tonky's like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Maybe go for the other one. And Ho was like, the the moon is coming in a day, right? Um, so they're all like eating brunch and shit. But eventually they're like, okay, let's get our shit together. So like they all like go through the earth. And so just a quick thing to explain. So like essentially to go through the earth, like like so they all essentially join hands. And so like as long as they like keep holding on to one another, they should be fine. Because essentially what Hoa is doing is like dematerializing them into the earth itself. So if anyone lets go at any point, they'll die instantly mm-hmm. so the six again eason hoa tonki lerna 
Hajarka and Danelle go into the earth. At one point, they get attacked by Stone Eaters because, of course, like, of course, this book wouldn't be complete without conflict. In that <laughs> conflict, Lerna gets, like, like, Ethan's able to, like, stop the attack, but in the process, like, Lerna gets, like, detached from her and, like, dies yep. underneath the earth. Yep. And so they get to the earth's surface and then and they make it to Core Point, but then they notice, of course, that, like, Lerna's gone and it's like, oh, fuck. But then Ethan's like, I don't even have time to worry about this because Nason. And so she's like, oh my God, where's Nason? Like, holy shit. And like, Hoa's like, they oh, like, really she's over there. They really gave Lerna like two and a half sentences. They're Basically. Like, where's Lerna? Like, He's gone. Oh no. Where's Nason? You're like, Yeesh. <laughs> Lerna's been, I mean, he's he's been in the story quite a bit of time. Like, that's an like, unfortunate. Like, since book one, like, I don't know. Yeah. I, like, we could have poured one out a little bit more for Lerna, <laughs> right. but it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Like, it's just like, yeah. I'm like, y'all are moving on, so so are we. Anyway, so basically, um, Ethan, like, runs over to, to the Vortex of Doom and, like, runs into Nason. And, like, Nason's like, hey, I don't know her. Ethan's I don't like, know her. hey. Like, it's just, like, hella awkward. But also, yeah. Nason's like, well, I need to save Shafa. And, like, my mama hasn't been shit since day one. So, like, I don't really give a fuck. Like, I'm over this. Like, I don't really give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, at this point, she's very much like, okay, Nason's like, yeah, I need to, like, turn the world into stone eaters. Like, blah, blah, blah. And Ethan's like, oh, my gosh. Like, what if you, like, didn't do that? And then Nason's like, yeah, so this whole conversation, we're not having it right now. Yeah. So, she, like, literally puts up this, like, whole wall. And, like, Ethan's like, damn, like, my daughter powerful as fuck. I don't know what Nason the fuck is, is about to happen right now. I think for context, Nason is really, she doesn't want Shafa to die. And I think it's just this fear of being alone, right? Like, you know, she's right. lost so many people. So, she's like, if everyone turns into stone eaters, then Shafa lives again. And if everyone's stone eaters, he won't be sad about being the only stone eater because everybody's. And you're like, wow, you're you're 10. That is a 10-year-old's logic. And I can't fault you for that because that's exactly the age that you are. Right. Exactly. But she's also really powerful. So Mm -hmm. it's like, holy shit, like how do we how do we work with this? So basically Nason's like, she reconnects with the obelisk. She's like about to do the thing. Ethan's like, okay, I need to like stop her. So she connects with like the onyx from like obelisk gate part one. (laughs) Y'all we didn't really talk about it because it literally didn't come up. And then she used like the energy of the rifting itself again. I don't know how the fuck that was a conclusion she made, but we got there. Basically they're at this point they're going tit for tat. Yeah. Like, Nason's trying to do her thing. Ethan's trying to stop her. They're having this, like, magical, like, anime battle. Yeah, it's very very Dragon Ball Z. Like, very Dragon Ball Z tease, like, honestly. Mm. Um, And at one point, like, they're kind of, like, at a stalemate. But the thing is, like, the magic is eroding their bodies quickly. More so Ethan than Nason, but it's happening to both of them. And so, Ethan's like, okay, the only way I'm going to, like... The only way this is going to work is if I just, like, hand over everything to Nason. So she basically hands Nason the, like, onyx and, like, all that shit. And in doing so, turns to stone... And dies. So Eason dies. Nason sees her mother die basically 20 minutes after she saw her for the first time in years. Um, And it's like emotionally devastated, of course. And it's like really sad. But basically she's like, you know, my mom's will in all of this was just to like save the world and stop the seasons. Like maybe I can just like do that thing instead. So she connects with the Onyx and essentially fulfills Eason's wish for the world and doesn't turn the entire world entire world into into stone eaters yeah she catches the moon and ends the season yes absolutely absolutely see oh yeah that the the pivotal thing that yes she caught the moon (laughs) um and that's how she did the thing so that happens afterwards Hoa and his friends go to like father earth and they're like hey girls we caught the moon (laughs) are we good for the seasons like are we good like, are we good? And Father Earth's like, I mean, as long as y'all leave me the fuck alone, we good. And yeah. I was like, boom. Well, and so- Alligator's like, boom. <laughs> like, cool. Because Alligator was there too. Also, can I just point out that Hoa also does not get Antimony's name right? 
Like halfway through, I was like, did Ho just call her Tintimony? Like, I was like, oh, <laughs> you're rude because you actually knew Antimony. No, he did also was yes. like, Antimony? And I'm like, wow, like, bro, this is your whole friend. Like, yikes. Yeah. Um, also, apparently Antimony and Steel were all friends back in the day with Kellen Lee. So yeah. Steel changed his name. We didn't talk about him in the original because it wasn't that important. And Antimony changed her name too. And Hoek kept being like, I don't remember what Antimony changed her name to. Like, maybe it was like... <laughs> Yeah, cerebellum, no, like antidote, <laughs> acrimony. You're like, oh, oh, uh, okay, okay. But I also think that um, the Earth was like, okay, I'll release everyone's souls, but also the stone eaters, some of them have to like come with me or steal. Was like, I'm gonna go with. There was like a trade. It wasn't just like just oh, really? me alone. Yeah, I think the Earth oh, got something as part of the compromise because i think that's where steel went right steel was like i'm tired of living forever but i'll just live as part of the earth until it dies and that's fine oh i could be wrong though honestly we don't know y'all i barely read this book i'm sorry um so (laughs) yeah so basically the season stopped like whoop 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 um hoa goes back to like nason tonki danelle and hijarka they have a whole conversation and essentially like you know, Nason's just processing that, like, her mom died and all of that. Mm-hmm. Also, Shafa died, like, pretty much right around all of this, too. It's just, like, a lot going on. Well, I but, think like, they go back to, like, Hoa sends them back to Renina's Kastrima on the little magic train. But then, yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, but once they're there, you know, Shafa is not a stone eater and is not a guardian, so he passes away. Hoa's not that... I thought that... Shafa died before they left on the on the trip. Oh, I thought that I no, I thought they got back and then Hoa like goes to visit Nason sometime later, even though Hoa's uh, like not that invested and is like and Nason's like, Yeah, Shafa finally passed away and Hoa's like, I'm a stone eater. I do not feel things And like didn't really respond to that. Yeah. Like, somehow it was comforting to Nason. It was it was a little strange, but you know, it's yeah. fine. Whatever the scene yes, correct. Um all y'all need to know sorry, y'all are like did this bitch read the book? Um <laughs> that's basically Shafa dies too. It's yeah. sad, but Nason's like with Tonki, Hijarka, yeah, will presumably anymore. be connected with everyone in Kastrima and like hopefully have some semblance of like a regular life. Also, Nason can never use origin powers again because if she does, she'll also turn to stone. Yeah. So maybe this might represent some like normalcy for her. Regardless, Ho was like, yeah, I'm not really invested in this whole like B plot with Nason. So I'm going to go back to like, um, <laughs> whatchamacallit, Pakora Point with, with Eason's like stone body and basically like turn her into a stone eater. Yeah. So he like turns Eason into a stone eater. She like emerges as a stone eater. And basically the two of them decide that we're going to like as stone eaters and with like a whole eternity to help us like make the world a better place. And that's how the world ends. Or how, that's how the book ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. So seasons are over. Eason's a stone eater. Alabaster's also a stone eater. They're going to make the world better. Nason hopefully can heal. Yeah. yeah. Learner's gone. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break and then we come yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about our thoughts and feelings. Perfect. Sounds good. See you on a bit. And we're back. Yes. Woo. So, yeah, that was the end. That was the conclusion. After that confusing ass summary, um, <laughs> hopefully you're able to like no, put the pieces together. I think it makes a lot of sense. I actually think a lot of people didn't think the ending clarified 
the book, but I actually think it did. I was reading and I was like, is this going to all come together? And I think it did. I actually, mm. um, maybe not. I think there are some things I was like, hmm, like learn his whole story. Then I was like, did we? And Ethan, yeah. Ethan getting pregnant. I was like, are we going to, is this going to? Sure. Okay. But mm. for the most part, I think a lot of things were answered and made clear. I think, um, I like this book. I like the ending. At first, when I first finished it, I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, we sure got into a pretty unnecessary love story with Kellen Lee and Ethan and Hoa. But mm-hmm. then, not that I mind love stories, but it just seemed a little forced in. But um, then I kept reading and I was like, wait a second. This whole three stories have been told from Hoa's perspective. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, from the very beginning. And I was like, well, one, it made me think, this is not a reliable story, <laughs> you know? Right. And then, but then it made me think, well, what does a reliable story mean? Like, what do you mean? It's a story that's definitely favorable to Eason. That's true. So I guess that's unreliable, but yeah, I was like, this is just a perspective. And when you're in anyone's perspective, you think it's, it's the only one. So that was interesting. And then it also made me realize that Ho has just been in this obelisk watching Eason. And I was like, have you been watching Eason her whole life and if so have you been watching like kellen lee's family from an obelisk their whole lives it just made me really think about how long has Oho been watching this story play out um it's like kind of creepy yeah it is but almost every relationship in this story is kind of creepy <laughs> which yeah. was really interesting to think about like i was like man why does nason care so much about shafa and like giving all of this time and effort to this person who I don't think is the most healthy relationship. And I think she has mm-hmm. some Stockholm syndrome, but then I was like, yeah. hold on a second. Is anybody having not a healthy, but re- like, what do you, what's a healthy relationship in the middle of a season, you know? And, mm, ooh, 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 that's and a good point. And then my, my point is like, if the, <laughs> not to say that, you know, there are obviously Jija is an unhealthy relationship in the middle of a season, but Right. If Shop is willing to overturn literally his whole conditioning for this person to care for this person, it would be kind of harsh for me to be like, yeah, this is a meaningless relationship and you're really only here because it's unhealthy and you have no agency. And you're like, well, what's agency? You know, like right. agency has to be in context. It made me think, and this is not the most clear cut metaphor, but I was reading this like, or maybe I was listening to a podcast. Somehow the information was downloaded into my mind. And they were talking about the Rwandan genocide. And one of the mm-hmm. victims fell in love with one of the perpetrators after it all happened. And everyone's like, what the hell? How could you possibly do that? And she was like, okay, just to be clear, nobody else is here. The two of us are the only ones here. So mm what are you, why are you telling me, like, are you here when I'm super sad? Are you here when I have to go through all this? Are you going to do those things? Are you going to share my burden, my pain? If not, I would like everyone to kindly excuse themselves from this narrative. And it, like, maybe she changed her mind about that afterwards. Maybe she didn't. I I don't want to say, like, a snapshot of someone's life is how they felt about things forever. And I'm sure there was right. way more complex emotions involved in that. But it did make me have to sit back and be like, yeah, you can say a lot, but are you going to be there for the person? You know, <laughs> you're going to pass right. judgment on something, but are you going to be there? If you're not, you know, what are you 
what's your point? And right. I guess practica- practically, what's your point? And I did see that with Nathan and Soffit. Now, I mean, in best case scenario, please avoid situations like this. I don't encourage this at all, but that's mm-hmm. it's unrealistic to send a point of not ha- being in the situation and judge. So I thought that was interesting, especially, yeah. I mean, who else has loved Nason as much as Shafa? No one. Mm. But uh, yeah, anyway, I guess yeah. I guess the atmosphere in which we live creates the possibilities in which we can love. And love isn't something that exists outside of the season, just like nothing really, ex- you know, nothing really exists outside of the time and place in which it is. But yeah. No, that's real. That's real. That's what were your I, thoughts? Yeah. Um. I mean, to respond to what you just said, I I agree. I mean, I think with all of it, it's just like it. It kind of relates to some of the conversations we've had before, where it's like you know, in the context of a season, a lot of this like senseless violence that you know Beeson perpetuates and shit. Like, just it just seems somehow like not that it doesn't matter, but like it's like you kind of react to it less. Like you're just like, oh, well, I mean, it's just it almost is like par for the course type of shit, and it's just like. Yeah, but, like, we should still, like, analyze these, like, dynamics and, like, relationships and kind of understand, like, are these, the like, are these really the healthiest ways of going about this? But also, yeah, it, it, it brings up a lot there how sometimes, like, just in a state of, like, complete, like, chaos and violence, like, it, it can it can somehow normalize things that, like, should not be the case. But regardless, um, my thoughts on the book overall and just, like, part... So, first of all, I I know part one, I was like, yeah, not really fucking with it. Don't like it? Mm, not the most interesting. Part two, completely changed my opinion. I... Okay. Personally, I definitely thought that the ending was, like, pretty cheesy. I think especially with, like, Ethan and Lerna as, like, this for, like contrived-ass romance and, like, you know, this whole, like, I want to take my friends to the end of the world. It's just kind of like, this is, like, flagrantly irresponsible. Like, what the fuck is Tonky gonna do? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, what is, like, I feel like, but, like, as a reader and, like, someone who's been in this since, like, book one, I'm like, ooh, yes, like, how and Tonky and, like, Ethan, like, all going together and doing the thing. Like, I don't know, it just, it was nice to, like, see some of that to like see some of that camaraderie and also just to see Ethan come to a space where she was like oh like my community does matter my friends actually do matter so in that sense like it was like kind of cheesy but like I kind of was here for it I will say Nace's entire arc I am just like it's just like so fucked like I like I honestly look at Nace's character and I'm just like like I know the ending wasn't set up in a way where it's like okay there's maybe some it's like, okay, you're going to live in Kostrema with these other people, but like, you're still in a season, you know, like you can't, yeah. like, you, you've lost, you lost, you lost your mom, you lost your dad, you lost your brother. You can't use your origin powers, which is like, frankly, the only thing that was really keeping you safe up to this point. You're still in a very violent environment. Like, it's just very like, uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I really feel for Nason's character and I kind of, I honestly, like, I know why Eason died, but I kind of wish she didn't because like. Not in the sense of like, oh, like, you know, every main character needs to survive. But I feel like in a sense, it was like, you know, there was a lot of this reckoning around like, you know, I'm a shitty mom because of like, you know, the ways in which I didn't show up for Nason. And like, I should have done better. And like, when I see her, I need to reconcile and all of that. And for her to die so immediately after is just kind of... And then like, Hoa makes her a stone eater and like, they like go off the two of them. It just seems like, I don't know, I would have I would have liked to see at least a little bit more reckoning or like more of like a... Even if she were to die, like some like some kind of conversation i don't know like 
outside yeah. of the whole obelisk gate, we have to catch the moon, like the Earth's ending, like holy shit, like it, like I don't know, it just felt very like that was something I was looking forward to, and it like never happened. And I just feel like for Nason's character, I'm just like this is just so like unsatisfying, it's just heartbreakingly tragic. Like my god, like you're like it, it yeah, I. I just feel like Nason, the world really just failed her, and I just don't really know what to do with that. Um, yeah. I feel like, um, you know how, you know how you, like, sometimes meet a character after a bunch of stuff has happened, and you don't know, like, how it happened? You know what I mean? Like, or, yeah. And, and, like, when you're looking at characters in the story, sometimes you meet the Nason character after everything's happened, and you're, like, Mm-hmm. it's not that you're perfectly fine with that character but you don't really think about how that character became that way like how many mm-hmm. unresolved situations had to have occurred for that i'm i think i'm particularly talking about villains but or, or maybe any anti-hero but you have a character every character that has like some type of issue likely has some unresolved thing that occurred um right but typically we don't get to see that part right we just see the part where that character comes into the story typically as a villain or an anti-hero and right. I think what's so interesting about Nason's character is you see all the and this is kind of what I was saying last time as the society as this as the character you see all the things that leads up to Nason and part of those things is she doesn't get a lot of closure <laughs> for a lot yeah. of things and what I I, I Nason's character I really love in a lot of ways one she's a really angry black girl and there's really no issue with that it's not even really a point because it's a fantasy story so she just exists as a whole person mm-hmm. who's angry without it really being commented on which is great mm-hmm. but also in life there are a lot of family issues that people just don't get any resolve to you just simply right. don't get it you really wanted someone to take responsibility and they didn't and partially this story is from Hoa's perspective and so Hoa is not favorable to Nason. Hoa is moderately mm. uninterested in Nason's existence. Yeah. And so you're kind of watching this character from someone else's gaze. But while you're reading it, you can at least tell when you realize how unreliable Hoa is. Yeah, you you do start to see like Nason as her own own main character. So I actually thought it was a pretty interesting way of telling the story because it's just so obvious that Nason's getting the short end of the stick (laughs) you know and you're just like oh god this is so unfortunate that your heart really does go out for the burden she has to carry and again it's it's why the part with Shafa is hard to judge because you're like even her mom isn't that on her side (laughs) you know what I mean right so uh, her motivation from wanting to keep Shafa alive becomes more salient Right. Um, yeah. It. <sighs> you know what it makes me think of? This was like a weird thought I had, and it's kind of a tangent. But what's up? You know, in Beauty and the Beast, I started thinking about uh, thinking about this because of I was like, I think Nathan has Stockholm syndrome, and I was like, what is Stockholm st- syndrome really? Like, we say that word, but I like, don't actually know. And then I listened to a podcast, and I was like, huh, it's kind of like an amalgamation of like things that occur, but the situation that I was named after which happened, I believe, in Stockholm at a bank. And the situation that mm. we most recognize it with, which is like Patty Hearst, are like two very different circumstances. <laughs> so the fact that they're both mm. called Stockholm Syndrome is kind of wild. But the third point, we're like, this is a journey. The third point is <laughs> we use it a lot when referring to like <laughs> Belle in Beauty and the Beast. You know, we're always like, mm. oh, Belle has Stockholm Syndrome. But then we never say that about Belle living in her like French town. 
which clearly is adversarial to her and clearly wants to force her to do things. And they also lock her in prison when she doesn't <laughs> listen to them. If you remember, she's like, I'm going to go back to the castle through my own free choice and I want to return. And they're like, Belle, we're going to, you're a woman <laughs> who doesn't have agency and we're going to go lock you in the cellar. And you're like, but so we're okay with that society, that she doesn't have Stockholm syndrome there in that society. But if she goes back to the beast, she does. And you're like, is it possible <laughs> that there are just no really good choices here? And have we... Mm-hmm. Have we, like, for instance, like with the uh, Stone Eaters, it only makes sense that they would destroy all of Style Anagist, right? Like, you don't see all of your friends and people you've known and people who are like you strapped to a machine being forever exploited to help society that you aren't allowed to participate in continue to run and then say, like, yeah, right. I should let that continue. You know what I mean? So I guess I'm wondering, right. like, what is it that we call normal? and the violence we allow to happen in it. And what is it that we call a terrible situation, a season, and the violence we let happen there? And why is it when the violence, you know what I mean? It's I, it's still back to the framing for me. And I wonder mm-hmm. if we could see the violence in the stillness and what we call peace, which is not really peace, but usually violence mm-hmm. under the surface. If we could see the violence there, perhaps we could avoid a season. Um, right. I don't know. And it made me think of like, apparently the niece were the Loris, right? The nie- they were like the Loris before the whole thing even started. Um, um, yeah. Were they? <laughs> I thought they were like origins. Like they were basically the the original origins. But wasn't Kellen Lee like, I'm the last Loris from the niece people? Did I make that up? Yes. I remember also having this question when I read it. Well, like, does that mean that all of the niece were Loris, or like, is she just a Loris among the niece? Oh, who otherwise interesting. Had, like a bunch of different, like, cast that they could have fallen into. Yeah, that's a good question. Anyway, yeah, I, I, don't I, I don't know. I don't have answers. Like I said, <laughs> we answered so many ones. Just give us a pass on the ones we don't get. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting. Like, <laughs> Nason wanted to be a Loris, and like, it's just interesting the idea of like. Mm the lores have the special place of telling us what happened so that we we see violence more clearly in different times you know i, I just remember this it's a lores who says put no price on flesh right which is in the first book right it just made me think this whole story is about recognizing what, where violence truly lies and how what we don't you know, Nason is a product of that. You know what I mean? Nason and Ho are, are pretty similar people, actually. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Not whatever. That's a thought. <laughs> Think about it, I guess. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's very, it's really, it's really interesting. And, I, and I'm really happy you mentioned what you said as far as like, what peace looks like and like how even i mean amidst all of that like there was still like senseless violence taking place and so it's just like nason really is just in like just inundated with shitty options to the point where it's like okay like which like i mean i guess being in kastrima is like some thing approaching like a slightly better situation but even then like kastrima is like my mom's calm like these are my mom's friends like these are my mom's relationships they're privy to her sympathetic to her so like where am I even going to be able to process like my thoughts around her, around a bunch of people who like, I wouldn't say put her on a pedestal, but like I obviously have a more optimistic view of who she was. Um, I don't know what they do, honestly. <laughs> I feel of- like, 
I feel like they, well, I feel like Yika did. Yika did, yeah, that's true. Tonki did too. Actually, yeah, outside of that, it might have been more, uh, yeah, they were like, yeah, Nason was a person that existed. But to be fair. Until she no longer did. Yeah. Nason, to be fair, Nason's story isn't really over. Like, maybe at this point, this is the point where she gets to live for herself from now on. Yeah. Um, True. I think her story is more interesting to me than Eason's conclusion with Hoa because I was like, is Hoa and Eason's, like, I don't know, relationship really worth forever? Like, <laughs> they're like, oh, we'll just make the world better together. And I'm like, Eason, shouldn't you reconcile with your daughter and think about everything that That's, happened before? Thank you, you talk so about- much. Because I'm like, okay, so if you're going to live <laughs> eternally, aren't you going to go see Nason? Like, yeah. hey, you should go see Nason. Because you've all, you literally, like, are you going to go back to Tiramu or the remnants of it and maybe do something there? Are you going to? You know what I mean? I just feel like this idea of like make the world better, like you're gonna live forever. Reconcile what's happened, maybe, instead of this sort of right. pie in the sky. Ho and I walked down into the sunset. <laughs> it's like right. okay, I guess. I would have liked to see Alabaster too, honestly. Same, yeah. He completely just vanished from the story and I was like, Well, that's something. Yeah. Um Although Yeah, I will say oh sorry. No, continue. I, I feel like this was the conversation that East, that um, Hoa had with Nason before, like, um, he left or whatever. But, like, I, I thought it was interesting, that the idea of, like, you know, now that there are no longer any guardians and origins still have powers. Yeah. Like, technically, the, the balance of power is completely shifted. Oh, my like, God. Origins could force everyone else into submission. Yeah. Technically. And get vengeance on everybody. Yeah. So, to your point about, like, Nason's life being usually what you what you would consider, like, the arc of, like, a villain or something like that. I'm not saying that Nason is going to become that person that does that. But it's just interesting because I'm like, Nason is not unique in the amount of trauma that she has by the hands of both, not only stills, but, like, guardians as well and so like i would not be surprised if like this piece is very much short-lived and like you know yeah you start to see a world of origins really take back um well think about it even before the moon was thrown off or or before style anagus existed right style anagus was an empire taking over other lands so it's so interesting because this season again is the most obvious representation of conflict and exploitation right it's the most obvious version but all of it is just a continuation of people's behavior all of it is just you know and that's what's so interesting about the story it's just like a deep examination i think if you're gonna read this book try like we said earlier with the question of like who are you go in it with that mentality don't think of yourself so separate from it and read it with this examination of of human nature in this fantasy fantasy space you know how in what ways does our society embody origin or in what ways does it embody magic or the expert you know there's clearly a one-to-one ratio between fossil fuels and father earth like that's pretty easy but to see that you know but there's there's more like in what ways do you embody a guardian or do you embody a still in what Mm. ways and and that's the point in what ways do you change your name and 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 forget about your past and what ways does it catch up to you and and in those ways the most the obvious elements the magic the origin the community the season they just become pretty like useful metaphors for mm-hmm. examining yourself in a safer place of not having to actually put it into you know real right. society so that's what i would say about the book um yeah yeah i li- i really i like that i like that i i, I want to kind of like chew on that a little bit 
Yeah. Because, yeah, certainly there's a lot. I mean, it's easy to look at stills and be like, oh, my God, the worst. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, but we're stills, you know? Right. <laughs> it's just like, it's right. like this is a, it's not separate from like who we are as people. And even then, it's like you see the, like going back to Hoa being the narrator, of course, you, he like the narration of how stills behave and their psychology and like how like ridiculous it is. is like for someone like Hoa, who's been, you know, in Sal Anagus was like, and even, I mean, to this day, stone eaters aren't like really favorable in society. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, like as the reader, you're kind of, you're like, oh my God, like this, this is terrible. But it's like, I mean, just as easily if it was written from a stills point of view, like, you know, it's, it, again, it's all about framing. It's all about who's telling the story. But I will say like, just kind of objectively, the way the stills behave by and large, it's like pretty awful. So like, um, but again, yeah. but the stills don't have, and, and this isn't like, I, this is, I think we've talked about getting irritated when like these metaphors become metaphors for race because Yet again, humans don't have some magical powers. So if you're oppressing another human being, they don't have any innate magical power to fight you against. Right. Um, but on, f- for this situation, stills do not have magical powers. They cannot ice people. They cannot stone people. Their hatred is unfounded, but their fear... Well, f- hatred comes from fear. But their fear... Marcy, <laughs> if you and I were stills living in this world... Uh, we would be very scared. Or at least I can speak for yeah. myself. I would be terrified. I'd be terrified because it is scary. Now, granted, there's that propaganda machine that's being made out of everything. And there's you're born into this society that pits people against each other. And so that leads to a lot of like hatred and bad behavior. But I think the older I get, for me to be a healthy member of society i have to admit to myself my fears and my weaknesses else i cannot overcome them so yeah i would like to say i would never act like a still but i would have to choose not to do that and to choose not to do that i have to admit that given a situation where i'm so much less powerful than someone else i'm afraid and what does that mean and what will i do with my fear only by knowing my fear can i be brave you know that's why i i I don't want to say that their behavior is unreasonable. You know what I mean? I yeah. I think about the privilege of not having to be in s- such morally ambiguous situations. It is not often that I find myself in that place. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a, that's my thought. I would like to be an yeah. origin, though. <laughs> I'd like to be a good still. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my aspiration. So, yeah, that's real. Do you have a quote? Ah, Yes. So I do have a quote. This is from the section where basically Ho was narrating like Alabaster's whole thing of like, what do you do with like, when you realize that like all of society is a lie and like all the things that you were conditioned to believe about yourself are actually fictitious and just rooted in like hatred and oppressive thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And I just felt like this passage was really, really interesting. So it reads, so this is basically from the perspective of like folks who are in, in positions similar to Alabaster. So it says, some accept their fate swallow their pride, forget the real truth, embrace the falsehood for all they're worth because they decide they cannot be worth much. If a whole society has dedicated itself to your subjugation after all, then surely they deserve it. I mean, like, even if they didn't, fighting back is too painful, too impossible. At least this way, there, there is peace of a sort, fleetingly. The alternative is to demand the impossible. It isn't right, they whisper, weep, shout. What has been done to them is not right. They are not inferior. They do not deserve it. And so it is the society that must change. There can be peace this way too, but not before conflict. Mm. And so I just thought that was a really interesting quote. And I was like, huh, 
just puts into like two quick paragraphs. Basically, yeah, a lot of my yeah. a lot of my thoughts on that. So yeah, so yes, I think that piece is something we really should think about in our real lives, right? It's a piece of a sort, yeah. but it's not a real piece. I agree. I agree. Well, if you have thoughts about our retelling of this story, if you're like, look, y'all, we got to the third book. That was an interesting summary. Or if you're like, wow, you guys really put that together in a way I never thought of when I read the third book. <laughs> we would love to hear it. So you can tell us at the colored pages on Twitter or these colored pages at Instagram or these colored pages at gmail.com. That's right. You can email us with a comment. Mm. In fact, you don't even have to put yes. something in the sub in the in the body of the of the email you can just put in the subject line just like write all in the Loved right it. like it fuck it, you know <laughs> chaos <laughs> um <laughs> otherwise you know we have a website if you want to not engage with us at all but still see what's going on it's called thesecoloredpages.com <laughs> you know we uh we got a link tree i'll tell you what we're reading next so yeah yes Yes, our link tree. Let us let us hope that by the time this time this episode <laughs> comes out, our link tree is updated with the fall books, uh, or I should say, our 2021-2022 books. And yes, just want to say too that if the show brought you any love, light, delight, mm, we love to see it. Please just you know leave us some love wherever you are listening to this podcast. You know we love a comment, we love a rating, we love a review. You know, like Ooh. we like really into that. <laughs> you know that can all take place on Apple Podcasts. Or not, totally fine. Whatever makes you, whatever makes you feel the most like you, listener. Also, if you you know know someone in your life that you're like, you know what you need right now? This like anime battle between Nathan and Ethan <laughs> at the end of Stone Sky. You know what you need right now? Marcy barely reading the book and it being oh clear as shit. <laughs> like, let just forward this episode to them, and yeah, just let them know that this is this is something that brought you some joy because it, it certainly we we certainly appreciate just any and all engagement that that happens, and we appreciate any any effort that makes our community even more even more colorful so yes so our next book that we will be reading is called the ghost bride by yangsi chu and it's a little little horror moment you know Mm -hmm. getting in a talk somewhere so (laughs) it's gonna do that for i don't know what that voice was but we're doing it so yeah we are oh fun okay but i know but yes, but between now and then, Aqua, is there anything else we shall leave our listeners with before we head out? No, nah, just until we see you next time. Just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.